And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And I think we've reached the lowest mark in the Celtics season. They are officially 500. They have lost 10 of their last 15. They had an absolutely dreadful performance against the Washington Wizards in a Sunday matinee that ruined everyone's Valentine's Day. Jay, is it time to panic if you are a Celtics fan? Because we got some some pretty high-level, famous Celtics fans searching for the panic button and things like that. And so are you going to be the voice of reason here on this podcast, or should we be? are you going to be the voice of doom? Oh, it's definitely worry time. It, I mean, when you go five and ten over a fifteen game stretch, that is worry time. When your offense has slipped to seventeenth in offensive efficiency for the season and has been twenty third over the last fifteen games, that's worry time. When Kemba Walker goes one for twenty one from two point land during a stretch and has only played like himself, what two or three games of the twelve he's played so far, that's worry time. So. Yes, there's a lot to worry about. The Celtics don't have enough shooting. They don't have enough passing. They don't have enough Kemba Walker, even though he's played lately. It has been, or maybe they have too much Kemba Walker because he has been inefficient for the most part. But that was a lifeless performance against the Wizards. That was an embarrassing performance against the Wizards. No heart, no hustle. I see. I don't like. It's hard for me to blame Kemba for that game against I was, the Wizards. I certainly wasn't blaming him for that game. He he was the only one who played well. Basically, him and Jalen are the only ones who play well. Kemba actually looked better in terms of like finishing around the rim and attacking the rim, knocked down some threes. I feel like if you have to put the blame for that Sunday performance on anyone, it was Jason Tatum. We saw him get 
just not get back on defense and let two wide open transition layups. He only played 23 minutes in this game. It felt like maybe Brad was benching him. I know he was in foul trouble, but like when the Celtics were down something like 15, 20 late, he went back to a lineup with Kemba and Jalen in the game. Like the only uh, lineup that gave them any sort of minutes. I just thought Tatum had a, uh, probably his one of the worst performances I can remember him playing. You think he finished with four points and it just didn't look like he had any fight in him. And that, I guess, is concerning. I mean, sometimes you have those games. Sometimes, like, you give the excuse of it's a Sunday matinee. But it was just, it was ugly. And I, like, in talking or listening to the Zoom calls after the game, it was just kind of disgusted Brad Stevens and a disgusted Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. Um, but I don't really know what was going on with Tatum. But it feels like the Celtics need him and Jalen Brown to have play very well in every game in order to compete. And if Tatum just doesn't show up, like they have no chance, like their margin uh, for error without Gordon Hayward is much smaller now. And now it's much smaller with uh, Marcus smart on the bet are injured, but if they don't have one of their top three guys, like playing at their uh, highest level, they're going to be screwed. That's just like what the talent level of the roster is. Yeah. I was wondering if Tatum, got sort of benched too because he did have three fouls but Brad, Brad Stevens he hardly doesn't do ever, that. yeah hardly ever takes guys out because of foul trouble and Tatum is a guy who hardly ever fouls I can't remember the last time he fouled out like he normally would trust Tatum to stay in the game at that point especially given the fact that the Celtics were playing poorly and needed a lift like normally he would have just let him go on I think but but he didn't. Maybe it was foul trouble, but I, I just think sure. Tatum was bad. He had bad out. Like you saw those plays where he didn't get back on defense. I don't think Brad was ever going to come out and say, yeah, we benched him for poor effort. But we've seen uh, in the past in the Brad Stevens era when certain guys just don't have it on nights. He's going to ride the guys who are playing with energy. And he seemed to go back to that um, Kemba Jalen and. The thing that was wild to me was I think it was at the end of the second quarter where he went to the Kemba Jalen and then the super big lineup of Tice Grant and uh, Tristan Thompson when Tatum had only played 12 minutes in the half so far. And it's like if you were going to get back into this game, they're down 11 at that point. You feel like you go to your superstar score. But uh, I don't know. It just felt like a, a horrible effort. And I don't know. It's a very confusing last three games because. If we travel back to Thursday night, people were on cloud nine. Uh, they just had an amazing win over the Raptors, 30 assists, like, uh, what was it? Nine assists from Jalen, 10 from uh, Tatum, the best ball movement the Celtics have had the entire season. And then to go from that, a uh, I don't know, then to let Sadiq Bey go for 30 and get in a back-to-back -back where they didn't have Kemba Walker, and then to go to this. It's just been a roller coaster ride where after that Raptors game, you think like the Celtics maybe figured something out, but uh now I don't know what to think. Yeah. I mean, it, one stat that's jumped out at me when I look at look through all of the Celtics stats is that Jason Tatum when he's sharing the court with Kemba Walker, it's something like, I I'm, forget how many minutes. The sample size isn't huge, but it's substantial enough that like, you can at least begin to think about what it means. He has a lower usage rate than Kemba so far during those minutes. 
and his points per 36 minutes have dropped from like 37.6 without Walker on the court to 24 point something with Walker on the court. And, and so last year we talked a lot about how Kemba empowered the young guys, right? And, and this year it feels like him coming back and not being good and still trying to do a lot of things has sort of stepped on their toes. And and I don't know if that contributed to Tatum, his whatever his lifeless nature was on Sunday, but I do think that's a stat to continue tracking because this team should be built around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like no matter how good Kemba Walker gets, if he if he gets healthy again, it should still be built around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And at this stage it seems like they're trying to get Kemba back into rhythm and maybe Tatum even is trying to get Kemba back into rhythm and sacrificing shots to do that. But it's totally taken away from their flow. They're, I mean, the five and 10 record is from when Kemba came back and before he came back, they were on a five game winning streak. And so I, I do think there's like a line in the sand from when Kemba came back. And since then, for whatever reason, they they haven't been able to to get that flow back, and I think part of it is Kemba struggles, and part of it is a hierarchy. But there's just a lot for this team to work through right now. Yeah, and it's it's difficult for Tatum because Kemba has struggled, and we've talked about getting him in rhythm. And it's like, how much do you defer if you're Jason Tatum, knowing that you need kind of that third score? The thing that's interesting to me is that like Tatum. Um, the one kind of consistent thing that we've seen with Brad's rotations this year is that usually Tatum gets a, a part of the second quarter where it's just him and uh, bench guys. And we see it's the offense is basically get the ball to Jason Tatum and just let him create. And that does not seem to be the case when Kemba Walker's on the floor. And I don't know, if, is that like what you design your offense around when you do have your full complement of starters? I think, I mean, the offense looked great against the Wizards. I mean, against the Raptors on Thursday when Shemi Ojale started and Tice and they had a kind of a, a five-out lineup and the Toronto Raptors were sending two guys at everyone. So Shemi Ojale was just wide open in the corner. But it's just interesting to see, like, what is the offense? Say everyone comes back, everyone is healthy. We know Brad is normally, like, plays as kind of egalitarian read-and-react offense. But there are like times where it's been Jalen in the bench or Tatum in the bench, and it's basically let's let these guys go to work. I think that's one of the reasons the Celtics' assist numbers um, are kind of down this year because they have a much more ISO-heavy offense. At this point, I don't know which is like better because Kemba, you're right, Kemba has just not been that great, and it feels like the more reliable offense is – uh, ISO Tatum or ISO Jalen Brown, or at least just like focusing on them and letting them do this. And the assist numbers are going to suffer, but I just don't know like how you build that over the season. Cause I think eventually you're going to want to go into the playoffs with having good ball movement, having a number of assists, but I don't know. I don't know what the, how to balance like winning games now with like trying to develop the offense. Yeah. And, and part of Tatum's recent struggles could be due to the fact that he had COVID-19 and he was out for a while and that's a tough illness to deal with. And who knows what sort of effects he's had from that absence and not being able to work out for a little while, however long that was. Um, 
And but yeah, I just think, and I, I the the sh- lack of shooting outside the main guys is glaring. And and you saw what happened in that Raptors game when guys around them hit shots. And granted, Shemi Ojale and Peyton Pritchard, whoever else the Celtics would have out there, even if they had knockdown shooters, not every night would be like that. But that night kind of made you think like, made me think at least, what would the Celtics look like if they did have proper shooting around those guys and knockdown shooters everywhere? Because then if you help, they it's an easy pass to the open shooter and it's a three. If you don't help, then Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown as a one-on-one situation and it, it just makes everything easier. And I think this team, even more so than last year's team, lacks outside shooting. We've seen Brad Stevens try Shemi Ojale in the starting lineup. We've seen him try Carson Edwards in the starting lineup. Peyton we've, Richard. We Yeah, we've seen him try a lot of guys who probably shouldn't be used to juice the offense because he doesn't have any real options to juice the offense. And that's been really glaring. The Celtics, I think, are like their bottom 10, I think, in three-point attempts, close to that in three-point makes. And that's with Tatum and Brown having awesome starts to the season from behind the arc. So that's it just shows and even that's with Ojale and Grant Williams shooting well like with Peyton Pritchard shooting well and that's like even with all those guys shooting probably at a rate that will fall the Celtics are still at that place they they need more shooting they they just they can't play the lineups that they have and maybe that's on Brad maybe he just well, it's it's on Danny Ainge. Right? I mean, how, who's Brad going to run out there? Who's a like a better shooter than like the current options that are available? Yeah, he's tried Neesmith. He's tried Carson Edwards. He tried starting Peyton Pritchard, and it's like, like on the the Athletic NBA show, Dave DeFore was criticizing Brad for playing. Oh, was, surprise, surprise! Dave DeFore criticizing I was, Brad. I think it was Tristan Thompson. Um, or was it Tice, Robert Williams, and Grant Williams all at the same time? It was it was three big men. It was it was Grant, time. Tristan, and um, Tice to end the uh, second ha- or first half on, against the Wizards. But yeah, yeah, and, and it's like, like yeah, that looks really bad, and it looks like a really dumb thing to do in the year two thousand twenty one, and and no coach should want to play that amount of big guys and that lack of skill altogether at once. But what were the options? Like like Carson Edwards, he hasn't proven himself as a shot maker or a helpful player. Aaron Neesmith, same thing. Javante Green, same thing. Jeff Teague has been a zero. Like, go down the list, and it's it's hard for Stevens to find enough offense, especially during that situation when he didn't want to have Tatum on the court and Marcus Smart was injured. And so I just think... You can blame him for some stuff, and maybe he just has to say, screw it, even though our defense will suffer, even though our IQ will suffer. We just have to play some of these young guys who at least give the threat of shooting and can at least space the court just a little bit. But I think he has a hard job right now trying to keep enough shooting on the court at all times. Should we really be that surprised that the Celtics are struggling without Marcus Smart? With he's the described heart and soul of the team, 
They haven't really been consistent at all on defense. They haven't had much ball pressure whatsoever from the guard position. They're basically relying on Kemba and Peyton Pritchard to be their best perimeter defenders. What are they, a three and eight, something like that, since Marcus Smart went down? I just think their margin for error is so much smaller. And then you remove the the literal, the heart and soul and the guy who we're talking about them needing shooting. Marcus Smart has turned himself into a very solid and actually efficient three-point shooter and is one of the is the team's best defender. I mean, it shouldn't be too surprising that the Celtics are struggling with uh their top like they need to win. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals with basically their top four guys in Tice all being somewhat healthy, give or take whatever Kemba was. They just don't have the the guys on the roster right now. If one of the top four guys is out, you're right. They did like you're gonna have to play some Javante Green minutes. You're gonna have to get through some Carson Edwards minutes just because there's no one else. And so I don't know if we should be overreacting. Like it Marcus Smart went down and everyone was like, oh, it's gonna be awful if he tore his ACL because that would be mean the Celtic season was over. But then we kind of just overlook the fact that he's out in their recent kind of struggles. It's like, no, they clearly miss uh, of their one of their more consistent three point shooters and one of their better defenders. Yeah, I mean, that that certainly played into it. But I mean, every team deals with injuries and but they were able to deal with them last year because they could just be like, okay, Gordon Hayward, you're playing 38 minutes tonight because Kemba's out and things like that. Now they don't have a like any margin for error to anyone like kind of just step up they're relying on a very young bench if you look at their bench it's grant williams second year player shemi ojale who i guess is a vet at this point but then peyton pritchard carson edwards javante green is still a young, young guy there's just no like proven players who are on this roster you can rely on for any sort of consistency yeah, the I mean the only one is Teague, and, and he hasn't played well at all. I said there was no players on this roster. I'm just, I'm the, only, on the only proven, the only proven guy, like who's their most proven guy who actually plays minutes right now outside of like Daniel Tice, Shimmy Ojale, and that's about it. Like Grant, like those it? are solid ninth and tenth players. I just think Tristan the roster. Thompson. And Tr- Thompson has been better. I do like. I still am not completely sold on Tristan Thompson. I just think the offense gets really bogged down when he's on the court. Uh, and it's interesting to like the big man lineup. We saw Robert Williams was hurt for a game, I think, against the Pistons and came back. But it just doesn't really make sense to have. I guess uh, your top eight rotation to have three centers. Like the roster construction just doesn't feel like they're uh, at all consistent and Brad's trying to work these guys in. That's why you see these two big lineups. Cause he's trying to put his most talented players at the, fl- on the floor. But it's like, what can he do when it's like, you either have to go with someone like Carson Edwards who can space the floor or like someone who's a, a sh- I don't even know who's a shooter Neesmith, who I think brings a lot of good energy, but is clearly not lost there on defense. Or you go with a guy who can't shoot like time Lord or, uh, Tristan Thompson, and you kind of just hope that you can make up for it with other guys. But the roster just is, I would say, poorly constructed right now and missing Gordon Hayward. And I think that brings us to... It's not much of a modern roster. Yes. Right? Like, like you, they don't have a much defensive versatility. They don't have much three-point shooting. Three of their top eight or nine players are centers, 
and Brad Stevens has felt compelled to play two of them together a, a lot of the time, even though he doesn't really want to do that because he just doesn't see any other better options. And I, an I, to some extent, I kind of agree with him. Like, even though it's ludicrous to play as as many double big lineups as he has in 2021, like, show me the answer. Show me what actually would be better than that. Um, and then, you know, lately, I think there's been a lot of talk about how the Celtics haven't played hard enough. And Has there been, or is it just that Wizards game? I, guess I don't think was, I, I thought they I competed against just, the Pistons. I guess it was like, mostly just the Wizards game. Um, but you look at one st- another stat, I'm going with stats here today. Um, the Celtics, during six of Brad Stevens' first seven seasons, finished in the top 10 in transition defense points per play. They've always gotten back. They've always protected the rim. The only year they didn't finish in the top 10 during Stevens' first seven, they finished 13th. So they've been in the top half of the league every single year he's coached the Celtics, including the year they were 25 and 57. They're 26th right now. That is bonkers. That is depressing. That is really freaking bad. How do you how do you explain that? It's just like they they are not. I think part of it is playing, hard enough playing two big lineups. Part of gonna, it is yeah, you're gonna have slower guys on the court who they like, play with smaller guys sometimes, like like Pritchard, Teague, Kemba. When two of those guys are on the court at once, you're really small. Even Marcus Smart, though he can play center and guard a lot of guys, like he doesn't. He's not a six seven six eight wing. So I think part of it is that, but. 26th is just yikes. They're seventh in half court defense. Like their half court defense has been pretty good. Yeah, because they have giant guys out there patrolling the half court. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense with them playing the big lineups is that you would think if it's going to be effective, that's in the half court. That's a stat about transition defense is surprising to me. You would think that's indicative of just effort one or just having way too many turnovers which i do think is part of the issue too many turnovers for sure hurts and too many big men (laughs) not enough mobile dudes victorinox the makers of the original swiss army knife have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges mastering functionality innovation iconic design and uncompromising quality with its products the victorinox swiss army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. 
David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. So, and, but their assist to turnover ratio is another thing that like they've been pretty good uh, in the Brad Stevens era and they just, our assists are way down and I don't know where their turnovers rank, but it feels like they're uh, kind of up this year with at least just the ball being in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's hands. I don't know. What's the solution other than um, biggest trade exception ever? Like, I don't know. They have to add something to this roster to kind of uh, sturdy the ships during the, like when the times when players are injured and Kemba's still going to be not there on back-to-backs moving forward. They need to add some sort of talent to this roster, but there hasn't been really an update in available wings like that. We talk about, they want a big versatile wing who can shoot the ball and play defense. I don't know where that guy is necessarily on the market. It doesn't seem like the Kings are wanting to trade like Harrison Barnes. The only people who seem to be available are um, guys who are washed up or like Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond and just pieces that don't necessarily fit with his Celtics roster. Yeah. I mean, Drummond would just probably not be a good idea. Oh, no, they don't. They already have too many centers. He is not a significant upgrade from what they have, even though he's huge and athletic. So I, I just mentioned his name because there was Shams reports out today that he's on the trade market. I mean, I don't know where else they necessarily go. Aaron Gordon still exists, even though he's hurt. I know that you want me to point out to the folks that he's only out for four to six weeks and will be back. But uh, what do you think about adding Blake Griffin, who's apparently going to be bought out of a giant contract with the Pistons? So you wouldn't necessarily need to trade for him. It could be a thing where you just sign him. He's going to get his money from the Pistons. You can sign him to a minimum contract. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much Blake has left. Um. He can shoot the three. He's he he's a pretty three. good passer. He I don't know how versatile he is in terms of def, like defender, but I think he could slide into the starting lineup and play power forward. I don't uh, know. I I think Blake is pretty done, and I, and I respect Blake Griffin as much as anyone. Uh, I have. It sounds I like have, you don't. You sound. You just told no, me he I, was I have, done. I have loved Blake Griffin from the time he got in the NBA. I have been very impressed by how he's remodeled his game that guy added as much skill as just about anyone has over the course of his career his athleticism just is not there anymore he's shooting 36.5 percent from the field this year zero dunks blake griffin nba slam dunk champion has zero dunks this year and i know that's kind of a bullshit stat but it still feels like it's indicative of a guy who has lost a step a little bit, but I do like that fact that he's like a knockdown three point shooter. I don't know if that's true. I don't know his percentages per se. 31.5 from three. Yep. Well, that's much lower than I thought. He's not a knockdown three point shooter at all. He had gotten much better at shooting before. How much of that is like volume? All athleticism. He has to play with the Pistons. And he's he's shot 124 threes this year and is shooting them at 31.5%. Is that a lot? A little? How many threes per game? That's six per game. Okay, so you'd have to imagine his usage rate goes down significantly when if he's with the Celtics team. But I don't know. He's just usage rate is at nineteen point four, which is pretty low already. I just don't think he has anything left. 
I mean, give me another answer. I mean, what's Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin doing right now? Who are they? Who are they calling? Because it doesn't feel like it's a wacky season where there aren't a lot of sellers. And I think with the expanded playoff system where they have the play-in tournament, teams who think they can make the tenth seed and kind of be in this uh, playoff chances are less likely to sell off their guys. So the Kings aren't going to give you Harrison Barnes. You're going to have to target someone else. And I don't know if Danny Ainge, it feels like Danny Ainge doesn't like having to make a deal uh, or being told he has to make a deal, especially like going into drafts when he has a number of picks. He doesn't have to use the trade exception at this all-star break. It feels like he does uh, or else the Celtics are going, Celtics Twitter is going to uh, go absolutely insane, but I don't know where, where you get uh, someone who can be a significant contributor on this roster. You need someone who could hypothetically come in and start or be the sixth man. And I don't know where that guy is on a bad NBA team right now, looking to kind of tank towards the end of the season. They're just, those teams don't really exist outside of what the bulls and I guess the magic. (laughs) Does Otto Porter jr. Move the needle for you. That's uh, not no porter for me. Nope. Nope. Well, but. I mean, we'll we'll see how they respond. Uh, I guess with I think it's a good thing they're going to really struggle with Nikola Jokic coming to town. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to after one of their just like worst effort games of the year i do think it helps that they're going to go against the hawks for uh kind of those back-to-back series just because i don't believe in the hawks whatsoever i think they're uh not good offensively which will be good for the celtics because they have not been playing good defense but it's kind of just a very quick turnaround do you think there's any they've played like a lot of more games in a, like kind of a shorter period of time. Do you think they're just like tired at this point? Do you, you think know who else has been playing a lot of games? Every team. I know, but other teams have more depth in their rosters than the Boston Celtics do right now. Do you think like Jason Tatum was just like, I'm, I don't feel it this morning. I, I, I don't explain know. It, Jay. Explain it to me it's because possible. I don't have any answers. I got zero answers. It's possible, but I think that's an easy excuse. Um, that, and and maybe there is some truth to it. The Celtics have had a lot of injuries. They've had a tough schedule. They've played a lot of their games on the road. They've been traveling a lot and not practicing a lot. But there aren't many excuses for what happened in Washington. No. And we can say that's an evergreen statement. There's never a lot of excuses for it's happening in Washington. Those bums in Congress. Am I right, folks? Uh, right now, we are going to go to the world-famous potable six-pack. And I realized uh, just earlier today, we should be calling it the Santilli six-pack because it's sponsored by the Santilli IPA from our friends at Night Shift Brewing right there on Santilli Highway in Everett. It's a fantastic beer. It's a beer that is a locally made It's got grapefruit and pine flavors, uh, and it's just delicious. And so if you want some Santilli IPA, it's sold all over. It comes in four packs, 12 packs. You can pick your size. It's bold-flavored beer, and if you want to find it where it's sold, you go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder. You can plug in your zip code, and then go uh, get, get yourself some Santilli. And so, Jay, 
as I pop open this Santilli, I'm going to give you the first pick in the potable six pack for the, I guess the past three games. Just, well, I guess we got to pick out the six most important things over which has been a roller coaster of an experience. This has been a roller coaster. It has not been good. My first pick, Marcus Smart's MVP case. Ooh. Would I would I have guessed that nobody that everyone would see his impact the second he left? Yeah. Yeah, I would have. Would I have guessed it was gonna be this bad without him? No. But the Celtics they need his ball movement. They need his playmaking. They need his defense. They need his communication. They need his they, heart. They need his heart. They need his defensive versatility. They need his kip-ups. <laughs> they need whatever he's doing with his hair these days. They need him throwing tables they, in the locker room. They need his robes. They need his anger. They need his happiness. They need it all. I a thousand percent agree. That's why the like one of the reasons I'm not like truly panicked as a Celtics fan right now is because they don't have Marcus Smart. He's an all NBA level defender. He's one of their more consistent three point shooters. It's not too surprising that they're struggling without him playing when we literally describe him as the heart and soul of the team. You try to do something without your heart and your soul, you're going to struggle. I think it's just it's not too surprising that with him gone that uh the team is struggling they just don't have a lot of depth and if they lose one of their top four guys it's going to be much harder to win basketball games i'm going to stick with the marcus smart uh theme for my first pick uh friday night against the pistons he joined nbc sports boston in the booth and it was a little awkward because they were like asking him game uh, questions about just like his recovery and things like that. But I like that he was just like watching the game courtside and just had like was reacting in real time. Like, oh, they got to stop Sadiq Bay, or just being like, yes, uh, when the Celtics made a good play and things like that. It was just fun to like kind of see an NBA player reacting in real time. And I thought it was like a cool thing. Uh, I hope the Celtics would do it more. Uh, because that's the only way we're going to survive Marcus Smart being out is if we can hear him on the broadcast. He also knew exactly what was going to happen with the two-for-one at the end of the second quarter. Which was amazing. Scout was like, yeah, there, there's no way they can get a two-for-one here, right, Marcus? Marcus was like, well, Chris, well Paul, Chris Paul could do it. If we roll the ball here and Tatum or Brown picks it up, they'll have enough time. And sure enough, they roll the ball, Tatum picked it up, walked into a two-for-one three, and that was – the only good stretch the Celtics have had in their last two games. Well, the good thing this potable six-pack goes past three games because how can we not talk about downtown Shemi Ojale and downtown Peyton Pritchard? First Celtics teammates to both hit six threes in a game. And now I know the cynic might say the, the Raptors deliberately left Shemi Ojale open because that's the guy they want shooting shots. But Shemi punished him. He knocked down six. Peyton Pritchard knocked down six. I think Tice got in the mix a little bit there. It was a three-point bonanza, and it just you had to feel good about um, their performance. Turns out things are more fun when the Celtics are knocking down threes, but I just never thought the day that Pritchard and Shemi Ojale would knock down six three-pointers in a game. It was it was absolutely wild. Yeah, and then 
my next pick that leads me directly to my next pick peyton pritchard zoom conference call <laughs> from his car just just an incredible moment apparently i think the rookie just forgot he had a press conference he doesn't normally have post-game press conference duties he did that night he made a ton of threes and so there he was in his car buckled up for safety and giving his answers was it I, while he was driving i don't think so was he like looking at the camera or was he like looking off at somewhere else i i don't think he was driving but i do know he was buckled up for safety <laughs> um safety from what if he wasn't driving just uh i mean who knows when a rogue car is gonna come and clip the side of your vehicle that's fair if you guys are, if anyone is driving right now, please check your blind spots. Uh, make sure you're buckled in because uh, you never know out there. Yep. Um, and then second pick, Grant Williams is two fouls at the end of the third quarter against the Wizards. It was like just an awful stretch for the Celtics, just as bad as they could have played they kind of started to make some progress and Grant Williams fouled off ball twice within a span of like 20 seconds while the wizards were in the bonus. And Grant is typically a high IQ guy in most facets of the game. He has to stop fouling dudes in bad situations, whether it's off ball or while guys are shooting threes, whatever. One of them, one of them, he just got duped. Bradley Beal did a good job of like stepping in and taking like, Gotta stop getting duped. I mean, it's hard. I mean, no, no one's out there trying to get duped. That's hard. He gets duped too often. He fouls dudes too often. And but the second, the second but, one where he just got punished for trying to like get an offensive rebound. There's some ticky tack nonsense in that game, but it's hard to complain about that when your team just doesn't try. But I thought the first one, he, yeah, you don't run into directly into Bradley Beal. The second one was just him going in for an offensive rebound where. The Wizards player ended up getting the ball. It was it was an unnecessary foul call. But you're yeah, right. I mean, the, the, the larger point stands. He needs to foul less. But it was just like the perfect exclamation point to a shit sandwich for the Celtics. It was, what else could go wrong? Oh, Grant Williams could foul twice in the bonus with in the span of like 20 seconds. He is he is averaging seven point six fouls per hundred possessions, which is a lot. Five point six fouls per thirty six minutes. Which so if is he a lot. plays, he's basically if he plays thirty six minutes, he's uh probably going to foul out. He's on track to foul out or come very close to it every single game. That's wild. I did not know that. Well, yeah. That, so that was it. Was I mean, it was not the greatest moment for Grant, but it was entertaining for me. I I thought that. It cracked me up because honestly, that was the only thing, the only other thing the Celtics could have checked off their shitty basketball bingo box. And boom, there it was. Speaking of not that effective, but things that amused me, I think just Time Lord uh, had some amazing moments. There was a, a stretch in the third quarter where they like, they coming out of an ATO, they're down 17, they call a play for a Jalen post up. And Time Lord throws one of the worst entry passes I've ever seen. Immediate turnover. Time Lord comes down, gets the block, 
and then immediately uh i think the the wizards get possession again and then he has a a crazy foul where he's just leaving his feet uh but then later in the game the thing that just made me laugh the most is the celtics were down by like 24 at this point the save under this wizards had a save underneath um their own basket threw it in time lord just does a a casual behind the back uh move before going into a nice two-handed dunk and so when in doubt, Time Lord just doing absurd things, just casually being cool on the basketball court. That's going to be consistent. Everything else, his inconsistency in terms of passing and um, being in the right position on defense, sure, I can deal with that. But he's always going to be cool, and that's pretty much all you can uh, tip your cap to for the Celtics for the past three games. It's just That was just an outrageous play, and it was so casual. It was just... He didn't like, think about it. It was just his natural reactions. Like, ball's here. Got to go behind the back and go right into a dunk. It was great. It was nuts. It was nuts. You don't see plays like that very often. And it was an and-one dunk, too. Like, he did it. Didn't have to take a step even and just went up, dunked it home. Just an absurd display of athleticism and a desert, <laughs> absurd display of, of time lordliness. Time lordliness. That's a new word. Uh, that's pretty much all we got our ha- to hang our hat on this week because the Celtics riding the roller coaster. We will continue to ride the roller coaster and come back to you after the Celtics take on the Denver Nuggets, who are also struggling, and then the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, give it five stars, tell a friend, do all those things that podcast hosts tell you to do. And thank you for listening to this episode of as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.